Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. You, you meant these big lies. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. In times such as these, it requires us to make a decision. We either do it actively or we do it passively. And the decision gets easier day by day. You know, lies are so utterly commonplace in politics. Why even talk about them? Why even spend five seconds talking about them? You know, the lie that Janet Yellen recently said. Janet Yellen said that she she was wrong about inflation. She wasn't wrong. She was lying. You cannot be her and be stupid enough to believe that inflation is temporary. They were just hoping that the issue went away. We'll talk about that coming up Friday with that and many other things with uh, with Zach Abraham, the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management. Zach joins us every every hour or every Friday uh, for the second hour usually. So why even pay attention to lies? We we all know politicians lie all the time. And is it really that important that we go through and fact check their lies when we know that this is commonplace and it's part of their job as they see it, as most of them see it? Well, this is really a first part of a two-part series today. The first part's really about the lies, the, the huge lies, the gargantuan lies. In hour two, I'll explain why I find it so utterly important that we even more focus on the lies and that we uh, confront the lies and that we build a framework with our kids so that they understand times like these are going to come because the party's doing everything they can to construct a world, a reality, where the truth is whatever they say it is at any single moment. In other words, there is no truth. We're warned about this. This is biblical. Time and again, The Lord spoke of blinding people in Genesis 19, verse 11. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves by trying to find the doorway. Zephaniah, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they've sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. So there's time and again, the Bible refers to instances like this where the Lord chose to leave people in blindness. So the lies that we're seeing, people simply cannot themselves regard them. They cannot themselves understand the lies. Friday, we're going to talk about that thing that didn't happen, that mass formation hysteria that didn't happen. Well, it's happening And it's probably permanent for the more educated you are, the more likely you are permanently damaged by the COVID response and the mass formation psychosis and panic that the party ensued in people. So why even talk about the Durham trial? Well, it's important. It's important that our country's history that we now understand if you're a Democrat, you can attempt a coup 
You can work with foreign nationals to fake information. You can lie to the FISA court twice. You can use those lies to gain the, the legitimacy of spying on your political opponents. You can then lie and claim that the president who beat you in the election is a tool of the Russian government. You can do that. And if you're David Sussman, you can lie openly to the FBI and you get away with it and everything will be fine. Now you'll inconvenience yourself going to court, but that's going to be covered because you're, you're, you're a mobbed up mob attorney is what you are. So why spend time on this lie? Because the Lord predicted it. Because the Lord has talked about when men are left to their own devices because we have an opportunity to say to our children, this is what happens when we depart the word of God. And next hour, we'll get down to why this is so vital right now, because these lies are leading someplace. They always lead to the same place. So the network news and and Newsbusters has done a study on this. They've spent about six minutes total, even mentioning the Durham trial. But the day that a jury that had Hillary supporters on the, on, on, on the jury, that had people close to the DNC, close to Hillary, their kids play softball together. N- none of that mattered. None of that mattered that the, the jury was completely mobbed up in the big government. None of that mattered. It didn't matter that the Democrats had receipts that showed Sussman was working for Hillary. It didn't matter that his lie to the FBI about representing her was in writing. He lied. I'm not representing anybody. It didn't matter. He broke federal sabotage laws to sabotage Trump. None of that mattered. When he was acquitted, suddenly the network news found the story. Interesting enough that they could discuss it. Finally, it took them long enough. Special counsel John Durham's investigation into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia investigation suffered a major blow today. A federal jury found Michael Sussman, a lawyer with ties to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, not guilty of lying to the FBI when he brought them evidence of a possible link between Donald Trump and Russia. It was the first case to go to trial in the three-year investigation. Tonight, a major defeat for the special counsel named by the Trump administration to look into the origins of the Russia investigation. A jury today acquitting a lawyer who was connected to the Clinton campaign who'd been accused of lying to the FBI. Andrew McCarthy has thoughts on this, and I think this is a brilliant point. Durham treated the FBI as if they'd been duped, fooled, rolled. And this jury made up of D.C. people all of them benefiting from big government, every last one of them, all too many of them, way too close to the Clinton team. He treated the FBI as just their dummies. They got duped. And I think what that allowed the jury to do in their own heads is to say, okay, look, everybody lies in politics. Let's get back to destroying the country. I mean, pardon me, let's get back to governing the country. It allowed them to think that way. What is the truth is that the FBI was first recruited into helping Hillary Clinton win the presidency and the befuddled buffoons at the top of the FBI fumbled that. Well, and not to mention the fact that Hillary was too tired and too sick and too ill and too mentally not there to go into the state of Wisconsin. 
So they fumbled that. They couldn't get that done. So then they got turned into a device to overturn the will of the people affecting a coup against the president of the United States. But that's all fine. That's all fine and good. If you're a Democrat and if you get to go to court in D.C. where everybody benefits from big government. So depressing. It's so enraging. It's so instructive. The help will not come from D.C. We will not rescue this country by voting. We must vote. Ever more so as they try to steal another election, we must vote. We must demand election integrity. We've got to elect godly people. But this battle is won on our knees, in our homes, teaching our kids the word of God and what godly behavior looks like and what it doesn't look like, and then living that out in front of them. It doesn't mean preaching and teaching. It means acting and reaching and and spending your life living that way so that your kids, when they see behavior like this, can understand how it stinks and how ungodly it is. And it is brutally ungodly. I also say this. If we don't begin to refer to the word of God as we discuss politics, I firmly believe that that God is going to do this. I think that God would, why would he get involved? If we've rendered unto Caesar things that belong to God, such as the nature of truth, such as calling out, you are a corrupt leader. You are thieves. You are attempting to steal something sacrosanct, which is the vote. And if we are not willing to go to the word of God and and talk about how many times this is discussed in the Bible, Zechariah chapter 12, verse four, in that day declares the word, Lord, I will strike every horse with bewilderment and his rider with madness, but I will watch over the house of Judah while I strike every house of the people with blindness. Time and again, the Lord has done this. We get to know the Lord by working with him and reading his word and interacting with fellow Christians. If the Lord has done this this many times in history, why would he not be doing it now? Romans 11, verse 8, just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. Now, again, addressing a specific audience at a specific time, but we observe the nature of the Lord as he interacts with his people through his word. I can see the Lord looking at this nation and saying, I don't hear my name. I don't hear my word. Apparently, you want Hillary Clinton to handle this because I'm not hearing my word in your house. I'm not seeing you act it out in front of your family. And I stand, I stand accused and convicted. Because as I've said many times in the show, I made the decision that some things were far, far more important than the word of God or living in a godly way. Such as my little girl's athletic career. Man, that was important. So vital. Another lie in the big lies. And this one is so, so hard to believe someone thinks they can get away with this. But he thinks he can. His name is Simon Rosenberg, and he describes himself as a builder of political things. No, you rearrange things. You, you have built nothing. You rearrange things. And he's with all sorts of mobbed up big time DNC machines like the New Democrat Network. And at one point he was the, the boss of that. The Clinton War Room. Oh, he's with Aspen, etc. Tufts. 30 years in the fight. Save Ukraine. So you know he's a good guy because it says it right there in his bio. Save Ukraine. 
This is what he wants people to believe about Biden. A big day for U.S. politics as Team Biden begins a major campaign to help the American people better understand the progress we've made and how far we've come. This is significant for even if a small, modest improvement in Biden's job approval could have a huge impact on the 22 election. And he goes through some things he considers to be really, really, really important for people to know. All of which add up to things are great. Want to explain what we're talking about here from a political uh, confirmation standpoint. Look at this Navigator survey from uh, April. Only 30% of Americans knew jobs were up in the past year in a year where more jobs were created than any year in history. But Simon, we know you destroyed companies. All of us have friends who've lost their businesses. All of us have seen the store shelves empty. You don't get to destroy jobs and then bring them back and say, we're job creators. The economic challenge is to keep the economy growing and get inflation under control. And the political challenge is to get more credit for things that have gone well. That's something that can be done in the next five or six months, he says. Five or six months as, as gas prices skyrocket. As there's no formula, 70%, some places in the country, it's 90%, no baby formula. Oh, you know, it's, it's too bad the Lord didn't give us goat's milk or things that have worked in the past to make your own formula. It's too bad that's dangerous now. You know the way we were all raised? That's dangerous now. My point here, he writes, is the main thing Biden has to do now is to help people understand something that is manifestly true. The recovery has been strong. We're getting through COVID. We're better off, he says. And you can read the whole thing in the show notes. Now, who is this guy, this Simon Rosenberg. Well, he's a racist. He's an anti-Semite. He's a practice. You know what? He's worse than that, that, that evil Tucker Carlson. You remember when they were all talking about replacement theory, the great replacement theory and saying that Tucker Carlson is a Nazi because he discusses the fact that demography can be seen as destiny in a country. Remember that? Then he talked about the mass invasion on our southern border of illegal immigrants. That the Democrat Party clearly is already turning into voters. They're not thinking of doing it. They're doing it. Okay, so it's just city elections. That means they're voting. And it's one step forward because we know exactly what the progressives always do. It's always one step forward towards ruin. So what do I mean? He's, he's practiced replacement theory. Well, let me explain that. But first, let's remember how replacement theory was treated. This is Brian Stelter's show. He has Jonathan Greenblatt on from the Anti-Defamation League. He penned a letter to Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott on Friday saying Carlson's been race baiting for years and it's time for him to go. Have you heard back from Fox yet? What has Fox said back to you since Friday? Well, look, it's Sunday morning. We were closed yesterday for Shabbat and we sent this out Friday afternoon. So we haven't heard anything yet, but I'll tell you why if we step back, this is so problematic. And as you pointed out, Tucker Carlson has a history of sanitizing stereotypes and of spreading this kind of poison. But what he did on Thursday night really was indeed, as you put it, a new low. The great replacement theory, as it's known, is this toxic idea that there are a cabal of Jews plotting to overrun the country with immigrants, Muslims, black people, et cetera, and commit what they call white genocide. Okay, that's nothing. 
like what Tucker Carlson discussed. Nothing. He didn't mention Jewish people because Tucker Carlson is not an anti-Semite. He didn't utter the phrase white genocide. He didn't even get near suggesting it. He simply talked about what the Democrats have been doing and continue to do with an effort to overturn the country by changing the demography, by illegally importing people and turning them into voters, people who are expressly brought here because they want big government. When the rapist, Teddy Kennedy, started to import voters into this country, he he changed the immigration system from, hey, let's import people who can help this country, which is the lifeboat of the world. 5% of the world's population has taken in 20% of the world's displaced peoples, pays the bills of the UN, which is ridiculously corrupt, pays the bills of the WHO, which is ridiculously corrupt, defends the world, and provides more private philanthropy, even adjusted for our size of our, of, of our economy, on par with any other country or far above it, to be honest. So what about this replacement theory and this guy who says things are swimming under the figurehead? Well, this is Simon Rosenberg back in June 6th, probably June 8th of 2008 at a speech in San Francisco at the conference for his organization, the New Democrat Network. He's talking here about using the importation of people to change the country. And and how big a deal did he think this is? Politics in the U.S. Third is the demography of the country is changing. I think we're going through the most profound demographic transformation in American history since the arrival of the Europeans in the 16th and 17th century. That may sound grandiose, but if you think about it, when I was born, the country was 88.5% white and 11% African-American. Today, we're 66% white and 33% minority, and we are on track to be a majority-minority country by 2050, and we're on track to be a majority-minority party probably by 2012, 2013, 2014, very soon. Uh, And I think it's that rise of this huge minority population in the United States fueled by historic levels of immigration that made the ascendancy of Barack Obama possible. Got it? It was the importation of voters who are predestined to want big government because they are coming here for big government because they're coming here to get things from the taxpayer, because they're coming here believing that this is what's done in America, because they're being told this is what's done in America. They're coming here, and the Democrats would be perfectly happy if they never got jobs and just remained sucking down public assistance. Well, the shiny-shoed, rock-ribbed, serious, tall like an oak, unshakable Republican stalwarts. They simply want them to get involved in the workforce to lower costs. See, they both want the same thing. The Democrats want new voters. The hardcore leftist Democrats want to destroy the country so that they can rebuild it as the socialist paradise. But this time they'll be the ones who do it. So it will be done the right way. The mainstream Democrats, which, well, they don't exist anymore. The old school Democrats, they just want voters. And the rock ribbed Republicans like Mitchell McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, who are you know dear friends with Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer, dear friends. They want to lower labor costs. 
the business roundtable and the chamber of commerce. They want low labor costs. Well, you flood the system with a lot of people who um, will work for lower rates, you lower costs. And the CEOs were happy along our way to owning nothing and ourselves being happy. The economy is not doing well. Joe Biden is not a strong leader. He's not a leader. In fact, there's multiple press reports saying he's furious because he has to keep reminding people who work for him (laughs) that he's actually the boss. It's hilarious. You know, my wife and I have a belief when you get invited to someone's house for the first time, you bring something. So I've, I've, I promise we'll get to the discussion about whose house I was at and, and what this event was about. Um, but, you know, what do you take someone who is a hundred millionaire two or three times over? Well, to be frank, I've only been in someone's house like that probably four times in my life ever. And to have actually been invited rather than it's just, hey, here's a Microsoft event or it's a Hollywood Hills thing, but to have been invited in by the homeowner, well, it's the only time. So what do you take? I took Bone Frog Coffee. Now I took it because I knew that the homeowners uh, are, are huge fans of our special operations crew. And I know that because they put money where their mouth is countless times. I also took it because it's brilliant coffee. So bonefrog.us is where you get a lifetime discount of 5% forever off of the coffee. You go to bonefrog.us. I took the, um, I took the Frogman roast to this event and I got to tell the story. And it was so cool because when I walked up, I was nervous because now I'm looking at the surroundings. Okay, steak and lobster. I see that. They, they brought in a couple of pizza ovens. They're having a guy, he'll make you a custom pizza um, they have a mariachi band. They brought in two separate fireplaces. They've got people delivering us up this hill in vans. I'm thinking, here's my little coffee. And then homeowner's wife walked out. She goes, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this. We ran out of coffee. I said, no way, Maggie. She said, yep, we just ran out of coffee. And then I got to have a cup of it and I got to share it with someone who has also spent their life, I didn't, but Tim Cruikshank, the CEO of Bonefrog Coffee, spent his life, 25 years in the Navy, also a Navy SEAL. That brother was also special ops. And I got to tell him the story about Bonefrog Coffee. And I got to share it. Love it. We're building a business together. You're part of this team. It's bonefrog.us. You get 5% off lifetime discounts on the subscription service. All the roasts, all the delivery methods from espresso to K-Cup, bonefrog.us. So we're talking about, oh, those big lies. Why? Because they're absurd. And there's a danger to absurdities. And next hour, I'm going to talk about the fact that we live in the era of mass absurdity belief. And as Voltaire said, when you can get someone to believe absurdities, you can get someone to commit atrocities. And I I understand that I'm slightly paraphrasing that. That's what we're seeing. So we need to get very good at piercing the lies, but a lie once spoken and amplified, particularly the way the media plays the game, 
is very difficult to pierce. So we ourselves must teach our children that murder is a sin problem and it is such a sin problem that the grandparent, the grandkids of God committed them. See, if we teach our kids the Bibles and, and we teach it as truth, the Lord created Adam and then the Lord said, it is not good that you're alone. And then he created Eve. And then Adam knew Eve and she gave birth. And those kids, Abel and Cain, would go on to fight one another. Cain would kill Abel. And forevermore, Cain would be marked as having sinned against God for the very ground in which his brother's blood poured, called out to the Lord. Because remember, he's one generation from creation and he does this. It's a profound sin problem. And the way that we overcome this sin problem is to teach our kids the word of God as the very basis of truth and then to live it in front of them, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. This has been stolen from them. We talked yesterday on the program about the biblical point of view being stolen. Well, this is what we have. So in terms of gun control, the way the networks or the the Mockingbird media play the game, I just heard this news report um, this morning driving to my discipleship group. And and this is from Salem Radio Network, which is a conservative network. Salem Radio News talked about the Democrats pushing 40 bills for gun safety. That's the way they described it. Democrats pushing 40 bills for gun safety, but they're in doubt in the Senate because Republicans stand against any form of gun control. Not only is that not true, because there's all sorts of forms of gun control that exist now, many of which that were invented by Republicans, but it's incomplete. The Republicans are focusing on something else. They're focusing on hardening the schools. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the White House response to hardening schools. What did they say? This hapless spokesperson who incidentally, to be fair, she is black and, and same-sex identified. So just understand, same-sex attracted. So understand, she's got that going for us. So it's, it's vital that we understand that, that that makes her right about everything. But we'll talk about, you'll hear her tomorrow. Respond to, hey, should we harden the schools? Over the weekend, there were 40 people killed in another gun-free zone. And this is just one city. 40 people shot in Chicago over Memorial Day weekend. Six of those 40 people were shot who died. More than a quarter were wounded in a single police district on the west side. And you can repeat this city after city, 19 people killed here. We know the story. We know it so well that every weekend, people are killed at the same level as happened in Texas. And yet, Of course, the Mockingbirds, they love mass shootings because they can scare people with them because people think, oh my gosh, this can happen anywhere. They're not seeking gun control. They're seeking campaign donations. They're not seeking safety. They're seeking an electoral win. They're seeking news cycles. They're seeking story after 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 story of of shootings but only certain shootings. The White House knows they can't stand even gentle questioning. They couldn't even get the figurehead to go on CNN. In fact, they they wouldn't even have anyone from the figurehead's team 
go on CNN to answer any questions about this because they know that they can't handle even the slightest challenge on this. This is CNN's Dana Bash explaining just that. As these parents learn more about the excruciating delay by 19 law enforcement officials who waited outside the door where children were trapped with a gunman, as they learn about the young man who made violent threats but was able to legally buy a weapon of war. And as they call for action from their elected war. officials but say they know it's unlikely, it's hard to feel hope that things will change. President Biden is on his way here to Uvalde this morning. He will try to comfort grieving families as he's done so many times oh, yes. before. Deeply Enough times that the political reality seems to have set in. We asked for a White House official to join us to talk about solutions this morning, but no one was made available. The governor and lieutenant governor of Texas and the state's two U.S. senators also declined. Here's how easy it is to prove that they don't want solutions. It's this easy. They spent $40 billion as a down payment to Ukraine. They will not conjure money from the Federal Reserve to harden schools by locking the doors down or by hiring resource officers. They won't pursue negligence charges. They won't pursue civil rights charges against the school district for refusing to participate in a statewide investigation. The feds won't get involved in that. They don't want to get to the bottom of why did a teacher decide to crack that door open? I'm not accusing the teacher of being involved in the murder, but why? Murderers, but why? They won't get involved in any of that. Here's how easy it is to prove that they don't seek safety. Remember the rush, the bipartisan rush to send money to Ukraine. Mitchell McConnell bragged about it. Uh, call Burton Biden, uh, just, just vital, a bipartisan agreement that uh, we have got to arm uh, Ukraine. I, I called him and said this needs to be a clean bill. Uh, need, needs to be a straight line clean bill. Uh, he called back. Uh, he said he uh, needed to think about that. Called back 50 minutes later. That, that's done. We're, we're going to take this to a vote. Uh, my colleagues uh, support this by, 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 by bipartisan support. They don't seek safety. In one day, they could pass a bill saying we're hardening all the schools. This is so ridiculous. And I'll give you the audio of this tomorrow. This is so ridiculous that comedians who use the F word, (laughs) so funny when they do that. They're pretending that if you create a school with only, only one entry point, then people can't get out if there's a fire. They're pretending they don't understand how doors work. The doors can be programmed to be opened only from the inside. And for instance, when there's an alarm, then they can open. Or windows, people can get out. I always taught my daughter, if if you, God forbid, you're in an area, there's a school shooting, and they tell you to shelter in place, you tell them to go straight and jump in a lake. You look outside, and if there is a clear run, you run out the window and you run away. If you hear the shooter down the hallway, you are out that window and you're sprinting and you're gone. You zigzag, you run out of sight of the school and then you call us. They're not seeking safety. They're seeking campaign donations. Now, I wonder if we were to teach our kids from day one how God values their life, how God views their life, and how God views murder as a sin problem and lying like this is a sin problem. And leaders, hey, you know what, Mitch? You got your campaign donations. Truly, I tell you, you've had your reward. 
Nancy, you're getting some attention for your beleaguered party. Truly, I tell you, you have had your reward. In these times and these times of lies, it is vital that we have people who tell the truth. Like think about things like healthcare. I was just talking to a guy the other day. First time in his life when he was, his kid was in to see a pediatrician. First time in his life, my friend was going to say, so you are suggesting um, antibiotics to my kid. Um, he barely has any symptoms. He touches his ear once a day. And you want more antibiotics. Do you, do you get financially rewarded for handing out these antibiotics or for prescribing them? Do you or your practice, do you guys get a financial reward? Are there any kickbacks? It's an unthinkable question that we would have asked of a pediatrician years ago. And yet it's vital because we're seeing what the so-called authorities do. This is number one reason why I am so enthusiastic about Bulwark Capital Management and Zach Abraham. Now, he's the chief investment officer there. You hear him every Friday here. He tells the truth. Zach is a system rig. Yes. Can we work within the rig system to still have a great retirement? Yes. What does that mean? It means that the rules the party wants you to live by, the 60-40 stock bond mix that we've been taught our whole lives, doesn't work. Not in a zero interest rate environment. Not in a mobbed up environment. Doesn't work. And there's also this. Their focus is risk management. Anytime you stop working, you are risking something. You're risking running out of money, right? Or as the startup world, we'd say running out of runway because we always like to act like airplane pilots. So Zach Abraham's practice at Bulwark Capital Management recognizes reality. He's honest about it. And yes, we work within that system with a focus on risk management. I am so honored to know that so many listeners have joined me over at Bulwark Capital Management. Make a phone call. Find out if you are set up for risk management. Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. If we teach our kids from the very get-go, the word of God and how God views life, it's harder for them to pull stuff off like this. Billy Barnacle, who's been a Beltway fixture forever, had a absolute con artist named Sharpton, who still gets to call himself Reverend Don. Incidentally, the Reverend's got one heck of a home. They had the camera behind him. I could see behind him. Man, it's beautiful. It's got to be a nine or $10 million home. By the way, did he ever pay back those people whose lives he ruined around the Tawana Brawley case when he lied? Oh, wait, no, he didn't. That's so weird because he owed a bunch of money to them in a settlement. And then, wait, that, he, had, he had an unsettled tax bill in the state of New York. D- did he ever pay that? Because I remember that tragic case of Eric Gardner, who was selling Lucy cigarettes, just, you know, single cigarettes on the street of New York. And he didn't want to go to jail that day. And the the young cops were told, you're bringing Eric Gardner to jail. Whatever you have to do, do. So they took down this great, big, huge, um, tragically obese man. And they put him in a a chokehold and he died. It was utterly tragic. Oh, he was a black guy, like, like Sharpton. But he, they had to go at him, but not Al. Because they pick and choose winners and losers because they put their hands on the scale the same way the Lord says, don't do this. 
countless times throughout the Bible, you don't get to pick winners and losers. So Billy Barnacle has Sharpton on the show, and they're talking about the figurehead. Reverend, you referenced being with the president last week. He is a friend of yours. Yesterday, once again, the president of the United States in Uvalde, Texas, it was like witnessing the wounded visiting the wounded. He knows what it's like to suffer loss, loss that is, is just tragic and lasting and deep, loss that never goes away, never disappears, never, never, never leaves your memory. So my question to you is because of your friendship with him, he's in Delaware today. Today is the seventh anniversary of the death of Bo Biden, his son. He will be going to mass again today to f- sit and pray and think about his son and about the nation that he's governing. Do you worry at all about him? The presidency is an enormously, enormously difficult job. Nobody has any idea of how difficult and all-encompassing that job is until you sit behind that desk in the Oval Office. Do you worry about him? You know, I'm not worried about him. From what I've gotten to know of Joe Biden, I think he's been able to take his pain and make it the reason that he will use power to deal with others' pain. I sensed in talking to him last Wednesday at the White House a real anger at those that cheapen the lives of people when he thinks about both, when he thinks about the losses he's had. Now, the way this entire question is phrased makes the loss of Bo Biden to be an extraordinary loss. Now, I am certain it was very, very, very painful for the Biden family. They loved their son and their brother and their nephew. Now, and let's not be monsters. It's a very difficult thing. and, And to lose a child to cancer is horribly difficult. And that's what it was from. Now, it may have been from burn pits. It may have been connected to a service. We've lost a lot of service people that way. But they present this every year. They celebrate this death. They don't memorialize it. They celebrate it, and they're doing this. They're tying it to Memorial Day. They are doing this on purpose. The Politico ran a piece about the seven-year anniversary of Bo Biden who was certainly beloved by his family, but to us, who was Bo Biden? He was a service member and he served, as my understanding is he served honorably. That's my understanding. His brother, his brother, on the other hand, Hunter, well, that's a different story. They're attempting to make it seem he died in combat. Joe Biden, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Joe Biden, in a super slimy way, speaking to Navy graduates, suggested that Bo died in combat, the political piece. And remember that most people only see the headline. And in this era, most people only see the tweet with the headline and the picture. You know what the picture is? It's the back of Bo's head with the name Biden on a hat. He's in his camouflage He's in his fatigues. He's dressed as a soldier because they intend to con people into believing that Bo Biden died in combat. 
because they have to have some way to help this figurehead. And here, they're suggesting that Bo was shot. That's their, the way they're tying it together. It's a purposeful lie. And it's clever. And it will be revealed. The Lord will reveal everything. Things that are hidden are going to be shouted from the rooftops. He's going to reveal this. Secondly, it puts a different value on life. That man, Biden, got how many people killed in Afghanistan when this senile old man gave the Taliban hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment? How many people are still there? We've stopped reporting on it. There's still people there. That man's party has gotten service people killed with the injections. He's going to have more of them killed with the injections. We'll talk later this week, or I guess one day, maybe, probably next week, we'll go through the new list of athletes that have been killed. The new list of pilots who had heart attacks between flights. Luckily, they were on the ground. So they'll ignore all these other things because they don't put the value on life. But the biggest lie in all of the gun control stuff is really this, that it's guns or it's exits. See, they're not going to seize guns particularly from people who are set on harm, particularly from people who are crazy or, or criminals who would actually go shoot up a school. They're not going to get those guns. They could lock the doors, but they won't. And then there's this. This is a brilliant article from unheard.com. I don't use these guys enough. Part of an article. Since the Columbine shooting in 1999, a disturbing number of school shooters have suffered from mental health conditions. Um, this guy, I, I use the initials EC who killed four students in Michigan last year, um, is, uh, is planning an insanity defense DP who shot up a high school in Santa Fe and killed 10 individuals in 2018 has been deemed unfit for trial several times by authorities and remains at a mental health facility and the shooter or the, pardon me, let's, let's, let's say what he did. He murdered the murderer at Parkland Stoneman Douglas High School, also in 2018, suffered from depression, ADHD, and autism. By the way, he was also a pothead, as were a bunch of these other people. AL, the, the, the murderer at Sandy Hook Elementary, still the deadliest school shooting in American history, reportedly had Asperger's syndrome and OCD. Incidentally, he was left alone in a room all day long, um, snacking on psychotropic meds, smoking pot, and playing video games. So we're clear on that. Um, OG who attacked o Okios University in Oakland in 2012, killing seven, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and deemed unfit to stand for trial. SK, the shooter at Northern Illinois, Virginia in 2008, was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. SC, the shooter at the murder at Virginia Tech in 2007, was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder with selective um, mutism and major depressive disorders. And the list goes on and it continues. And what have we heard nothing about? From the rock-ribbed, solid as an oak, stand called Christian conservative Republicans. Nothing. In a nation that is making mental health worse, nothing. And the nation is making mental health worse because it's making psychosis a heroic circumstance. If you are psychotic, you're a hero and a brave one to boot. That's a weird phrase to boot. Isn't that weird? To boot. I don't like that phrase. Why did I say that phrase? I 
got my subscription. I got my Herminator sub from Allen's Artisan Soaps. I, yes, yes. Um, see, I never do unboxing things the right way. Uh, my daughter is an aficionado of things like this. So I'm going to ask her to shoot the unboxing. But every time we do this together, she says, Dad, you need to have a different shirt for the background and you're, and you're blending in. Honey, I only wear black t-shirts. That's all I have. I don't have any other clothes. All my other clothes are You do. You have a white shirt. I don't know. So we end up in these discussions. In any case, I got it. So it is um, something. And oh, by the way, why did I wait? Because we, <laughs> we bought so much at the normal price. Only now am I refreshing my Allen's Artisan Soaps. Yeah, even I, I don't buy soap just to be nice. We love the company. We love that it values life. We love that a young man who, who the party would abort. To this day, they'd probably abort Allen. 11 years old, going on 12, loves Minecraft, can't talk, can't speak, I should say. He can communicate, but he can't speak. And man, he's, he's in for a, a lifelong adventure in, in surgeries because of some other structural health problems he has, but he's so joyful. So in, in the Herminator sub with this soap, you can try any of the scents, vanilla lime, lavender, rosemary, cedarwood, jasmine, watermelon, basil, all of them are small batch. Alan himself looks at every single one of them. Um, Alan is the chief soap officer. He comes up with a lot of the scents. So here's what's in my pack and can be in yours. All you need to do is go to allensoaps.com slash Todd. Allen is A-L-A-N. So allensoaps.com. I have six bars of soap, soap rack, soap pouch, and a fluff. I get 10% off on this. You will too. It's part of the exclusive club where we value life. If you don't dig the soap, don't buy it again. If you dig the soap, make it your only soap. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. Oh, did I tell you? Man, this is exciting. Canada is, uh, they're going to have national vulva. They're going to have national vulva and vagina day. Remember for Oakville, North Burlington. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Vaginas and vulvas are a source of strength, empowerment, and pleasure. Yet throughout our lives, we've been taught that the terms vulva and vagina do not have a place in polite conversation. That's one more way that the bodies of over half the world's population are stigmatized and objectified. With the recent news in the United States regarding Roe versus Wade, conversations about sexual and reproductive health are more important than ever, and it starts here on Parliament Hill. We need to reclaim space in health, research, politics, policy making at the doctor's office to celebrate the power of vulvas and vaginas. <laughs> and they, she goes on to want a vulva and vagina day. Now, why that? Reductio, what is it? Reductio ad, ad, ad absurdia? Is that it? Reductio ad absurdia? Reduced to the ridiculous? So to all my vulva having listeners and vagina owners... I'm so glad that your vulvas and vaginas and ears pay attention to the show. Sickening. It's, it's ludicrous, and it's one way for them to avoid saying woman. That's why they're doing it. And incidentally, I'm in my mid-50s. I'm pretty sure I've never walked around talking about penis and testicles all the time either. In fact, I think I'm pretty careful about that. I'm trying to think. Have I ever said penis in a gym? No. Okay, when I was a young kid, but we didn't use that word. Reducto, reductio, 
at absurdity. Is that right? Someone will need to tell me later. This is where this is all landing. Next hour, we're going to talk about what happens when you get people to believe absurdities because it's happening. The reason that I spent this hour on lies is because we have got to build a foundation of truth that is uncrushable. Believing in God doesn't make one a Christian. Going to church doesn't make one a Christian. There's a lots of things that you have to do, and all of them pretty simple, actually, to become a Christian. But then comes the hard part, living as one, so our kids can see it. You know Leah Thomas, the man who gets to pretend to be a woman. He went on ABC News after his appearance co-host George Stephanopoulos, who's a penis haver, said that Leah Thomas is a strong woman. This is so illuminating. Leah Thomas here talking with the people from Good Morning America. The person interviewing him is a vulva and vagina haver. Um, Will is his actual name. Will Thomas is a penis haver to this day. We know that because his teammates have said that that woman, Leah Thomas, sometimes doesn't cover her woman penis. Right now in ABC News, ESPN exclusive with Leah Thomas, the elite college athlete who became the first openly transgender woman to win an NCAA swimming title. She's speaking out on her first TV interview with Nightline's Juju Chang. Leah Thomas says there are two major aspects of her identity, being an elite swimmer, and being trans. And yet it's her success as a trans athlete that's landed her smack in the center of a heated culture war over trans rights. And she's breaking her silence for the first time on camera as people try to balance the core values of inclusion versus fairness. She's the swimmer who created shockwaves across the country. 23-year-old Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas pulling away. The UPenn swimmer making history in March as the first known transgender athlete to win a Division I national title. But her athletic achievements on the women's swim team igniting fierce debate over fairness in women's sports. Throughout the controversy, Thomas has largely remained quiet until now. Thomas earned a spot at her Ivy League dream school, UPenn, on the men's team. But by her sophomore year, she says her gender dysphoria left her depressed and suicidal. I was barely going to classes. I could really barely get out of bed. And I I said, I can't I can't live like this anymore. And I want to be able to do things I enjoy. But her success in the water was met with outrage leading up to the NCAA championships. Her critics say she jumped in the rankings between the men's and the women's team. And there are some who look at the data and, and suggest penis. that you're enjoying a competitive advantage. What do you say to that? There's a lot of factors that go into Here. a race and how, how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. Mm. And sophomore year, um, where I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. And so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training, into racing. Are there Olympics in your future? It's been a goal of mine to to swim at Olympic trials for, for a very long time and I 
I would love to see that through. And of course, critics have said, if you just stop swimming, no one would have a problem. That's not what they say. And her response to that is, people are going to have a problem with me no matter what I do. So I don't want to be forced to give up my identity as a swimmer. You're a disgusting liar, lady. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Vagina haver. Your vagina and vulva are lying. No one has said Will Thomas has to stop swimming. No one. What we're saying is we don't have to participate in Will, now Leah Thomas's psychoses. We don't have to pretend with you and him. God created man and woman. And just as sometimes, for the reasons that God understands and we don't, there are people born without limbs. There are people who are born unable to see. There are people who are born unable to hear. There are sometimes people who are born with both sets of sex organs. God knows why. I don't. What a, what a terrible and hard decision on how to deal with that. That's not what we're talking about. We don't say to people who are born with, with, with no legs that, hey, you're not complete. You know what? We, we need to, you have to have prosthetics. If, even if you don't want them, you have to because you're born in the wrong body. We don't do that. Nor do we mock them. Look at you. You can't even walk. You don't have legs. We don't do that. Only in the case of, 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 of people like Will Thomas, who is unbelievably self-obsessed, what matters is he's happy. He got to steal medals from women. He got to wave his penis because he's a penis haver around in the locker rooms and make girls look at him. He got to live his dream of winning gold medals, even though they're stolen. That's what matters. This is happiness. It is not an act of kindness to say to Will Thomas, you're right, you're a woman, because he's not. It is never an act of kindness to lie. And the absurdity of a national media organization pretending we all don't know leads us into next hour. The stakes are incredibly high. Wrap it up with a note from a listener, Jeffrey Moore. Taught on the topic of biblical worldviews. Here's a quote from Malcolm McGudrick. One of the peculiar sins of the 20th century, which we've developed to a very high level, is the sin of credulity. It has been said that when human beings stop believing in God, they believe in nothing. The truth is much worse. They believe in anything. Next hour, living through the era of absurdities and atrocities in a godly way. Best as I can stumble through as someone who's not qualified to preach. This is the Todd Herman Show. If you think news should be approached this way, please tell your friends about us and please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let us give thanks that the Lord has left with us his work and his Holy Spirit And if we will operate in both the word and the spirit, and we will teach it and we will model it, we will give our kids the ultimate immunity, spiritual immunity.